This episode of America the Podcast is brought to you by America's newest subscription service, the Real American Paid Politician Program. Hey there, friend. You look glum. Are you a CEO who's tired of pesky, well-meaning politicians getting in the way of your private world domination? Are you fed up with paying lobbyists millions of your hard, swindled American dollars to push your personal political opinions? Well, have I got a solution for you! Introducing America's newest subscription service, the Real American Paid Politician Program. With the Real American Paid Politician Program, you can say bye-bye to worrying about which way your paid-off patsy will vote. Our politicians are not only loyal to whichever cause they're paid to care about, they're guaranteed to win any election or your money back. Yes, we've got everything from senators to governors, and you can even pick from our list of presidential candidates when you subscribe at the double dodeca premium level. And if you act now, we'll throw in a city council person who can help you strip mine the resources in any town of your choice. If you're still unsure if the Real American Paid Politician program is right for you, check out our recent rave reviews from the Democratic Party. That's the Real American Paid Politician program, available wherever freedom is sold. Your 12-month subscription will automatically renew each year, often not valid in Alaska. We interrupt this episode of America, the podcast, for some very important words. Hello, America. It's me, Thebidias A. Stard, a.k.a. the embodiment of an only hope for America, here to remind you to not miss our new mini-episodes that will be on our off week. These episodes will contain audio versions of rapid-fire news and my very important segments, as well as very special readings from documents from the Revolution, and in the case of this episode, a very special reading of a very special song next week. And lastly, don't forget to tell your friends about America, the podcast, and you yourselves need to go and subscribe and or leave a review right now. Right now. Go. I'll wait. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, well, then it's time for the show. And by that, I mean it's time for America, the podcast. Ah, it's good to be back. So what did you do this weekend? Ah, I rewatched every episode of Liberty's Kids. What the hell's Liberty's Kids? It's a propaganda cartoon I indirectly advised on back during the Bush years. The, the second Bush. Baby Bush. The show stars Walter Cronkite as Benjamin Franklin, Annette Benning as Abigail Adams, Billy Crystal as John Adams, Michael Douglas as Patrick Henry, Sylvester Stallone as Paul Revere, Dustin Hoffman as Benedict Arnold, Maria Shriver as Benedict's wife, Peggy Shippen. Michael York as Admiral Lord Howe, also known as Black Dick. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Baron Von Steuben. Liam Neeson as John Paul Jones. Don Francisco as Governor Galvez. Whoopi Goldberg as Deborah Sampson. My friend Warren Buffett as my other friend, James Madison. Yolanda King as Elizabeth Freeman. And of course, Ben Stiller as Thomas Jefferson, the obvious casting choice. Put a link to the show in the description of this episode. It's on YouTube every episode. Damn, that's a stacked cast. 
Is it good? Of course it is. It's about the history of the American Revolution and it's an early 2000s cartoon. Millennials and Gen Z will love it. I'm also happy to report that the cartoon still holds up. Word for word, historically accurate. Down to the epic theme song that played every morning in the colonies. Yes, who could forget timeless lyrics like, I'm looking at life through my own eyes, searching for a hero to idolize. Feeling the pain as innocence dies, I'm looking at life through my own eyes. And if you're wondering, yes, there is a rap, and yes, it is the best hip-hop track ever produced. The song was performed by Aaron Carter and Kayla Hinkle, and they are indeed the best pop stars America ever produced. That's not true, even objectively. What do you know, Mr. Bands We Love to Hate? Speaking of, where is that show and why am I not on it? New episodes are in production now, and you're not on it because the only music you like other than, I guess, Aaron Carter and Kayla Hinkle is John Philip Sousa. Ah, that is very true. I will always argue that Stars and Stripes Forever is the best song to ever enter the ears of mankind. Yes, old Suze was the original pop star and that wonderful tune the original banger. Let me guess, did he steal it from you? No, Suze was a bastard, not the good kind like me of course, but he wasn't a thief. However, I will tell you of a thief who did thieve from yours truly. The year was 1775 and- Wait a sec. I told you, I can't help the story-driven time travel thing. It's an involuntary reaction. Doctors are baffled by it, as well as so many other things about me. No, that's not it. I mean, 1775? That's a huge jump forward. I thought we were doing the Boston Tea Party. Yes, I said that, but there's not much to tell. A bunch of white men got mad about a bunch of boats filled with tea, dressed up as natives, and threw said tea into the ocean. It really isn't the shining moment people think it is. What do you mean? A year before the Boston Tea Party, my dear friend and winner of America's horniest inventor three years in a row, Ben Franklin, was serving as Postmaster General in England. He had received several letters containing correspondence between then-Massachusetts Governor Thomas Hutchison, then-Lieutenant Governor Andrew Oliver, and British law enforcement. The two of them were basically snitching on the colonies and discussed taking away colonial liberties to suppress the rebellion. Those letters were later published in the Boston Gazette in June 1773, albeit against Ben's wishes. More on that at the end. Needless to say, that pissed off the lot of us, and that anger festered for several more months. On December 16, 1773, several thousand people had taken to the streets, angered at the presence of some East India Company ships. A ship known as the Dartmouth had arrived in Griffin's Wharf several weeks earlier, followed by two other ships, the Beaver and the Eleanor, all containing containers of Chinese tea and other goods. Several weeks earlier, after the first ship had arrived, Bostonians had petitioned Governor Hutchison in the form of an armed mob to have the tea sent back. However, that petition was refused. Which is odd, as armed mobs with pitchforks and clubs usually get what they want in my experience. Instead, the governor tried to force the people to pay the tax, which we promptly refused to do. The morning of the 16th, me, Sam Adams, John Hancock, other Sons of Liberty members, as well as members of Paul Revere's Northern Caucus Club, and a plethora of townspeople, were gathered at the Old South Meeting House to discuss what was to be done about these blasted ships full of British goods. Sam was giving a rant that would make Tucker Carlson say, whoa, that guy talks way too much. 
It was rather boring, so I left to grab some food while he droned on. You left in the middle of a speech by THE Sam Adams? Well, to me he's just Sam, the guy I drank and discussed Liberty with. Honestly, once you've heard one rant about Liberty, you've heard them all. That's surprising coming from you. Listen, when I speak my very important words, they're intentional. Sam just likes to pick fights when he's drunk and like to hear the sound of his own voice. Real talk, if it hadn't been for Sam's drinking problem, we might still be under British rule. Wait, wasn't it the morning time? Why was Sam drunk? Because it's Boston. Everyone was and is wasted 24-7. And if they say they're not, they're lying drunk. Right. I'm getting the feeling everyone was just drunk throughout the revolution. More or less, but the water was disgusting. Beer and wine was healthier to drink. Fair enough. Anyways, after I got back from my favorite local lobster merchant, I took a seat at the bar to enjoy a bucket of fresh lobster tail. Meanwhile, John Salmon-the-Lot continued discussing what to do about the tea tax imposed by goddamn King George, as well as those three ships full of the disgusting swill. Oh yeah, you hate tea. Wasn't tea a huge part of everyone's life? Of course. People back then drank over a million gallons per year, but that doesn't mean I had to like it. However, I was still just as upset about the tax as my countrymen were. Everyone seemed to have an idea on what to do about the ships, setting them on fire, making a bunch of waves in the harbor to capsize them, seeing if Salem had any more witches left over who could make the ships disappear. Ugh. Stephen cleverly came up with that one. He, uh, he did not live up to his namesake a lot of the time. It went on like that all morning and into the afternoon. Idea after idea was thrown around. I, still eating my lobster tail and growing tired of the back and forth, especially when I hate tea, finally chimed in and shouted, My God, sirs, could these ideas be any worse and ye conversation any more repetitive? I could swear I'm listening to a group of parrots. We will never articulate our animosity and anger to goddamn King George by talking in circles. Let us find a solution, post-haste, and be done with this roundabout rigmarole. Then what do you suggest, Mr. Stard? Honestly, for all I care, you can dump every last bit of that tea in the harbor. Wow, this is a huge moment in American history. I figured you'd be more, I don't know, patriotic or at least not so dismissive. Listen. I don't say this lightly, but I did a lot for the revolution, including participating in the Tea Party. I may be the literal embodiment of America itself, but if you come between me and a bucket of fresh lobster tail, I tend to not respond politely and get annoyed easily. Well, then why did you move to Texas? We have, like, no good lobster here. The barbecue. Also, the crab isn't bad either. Most of my decisions are food-based. I had also watched the show Dallas in the 1980s and thought, oh, I gotta get in on that. I admittedly took it too far and tried to shoot J.R. Ewing myself. I was then told J.R. is a fictional person and I had tried to shoot the actor Larry Hagman who played that character. I was then reminded Larry was on I Dream of Genie with Barbara Eden who played a genie and proceeded to try and get her to grant me three wishes. She did not. Long story short, I bought most of the West Texas oil fields after having a fling with Barbara Eden in 1984. Good to know. Exactly. Everything I say is good to know, and don't you forget it. Forget what? Don't, don't do that. Do you want me to raise the price of oil out of spite? I'll blame you for it, too. Make you go on TV like I did with that Enron guy. Okay, fine. Speaking of raising prices, I believe I should take a moment to make money. We'll be right back after you listen to these voice actors sell their souls for pennies on the dollar, i.e. the most American thing one can do. It's America! 
America, the podcast. America, the podcast is brought to you by Houseplants. Houseplants, kill something that doesn't scream. Back with America, the podcast, and my tale of the Boston Tea Party. Let's see, where were we? Uh, you suggested throwing all of the tea into the harbor. Ah, yes. While I was being slightly sarcastic, Sam and the rest of the Sons of Liberty took me literally, which uh, one should never do. Honestly, for all I care, you can dump every last bit of that tea in the harbor. Mr. Stard has done it. All in favor? This meeting can do no more to save the country. And with that, the plan was made, albeit by accident on my part. Our group departed with a plan to meet up later that evening. I myself went home, took a nap, ate an entire chocolate cake, and napped again. Despite unintentionally convincing my countrymen to destroy property, I was well-rested and ready to raise hell. I grabbed my log-cutting axe, my finest scarf to cover my wonderful face and protect my incredible identity, and a skin of bourbon, you know, for the walk to the harbor. For the walk? It was cold out and I needed to warm up. Plus, everyone else had the same idea. Well, almost the same. I arrived and every single person had decided to put on brown face and dress like Mohawk natives so they could disguise themselves. You didn't dress up? Aside from my incredible scarf gifted to me by the King of Portugal, absolutely not. I may be an asshole, but I'm not a racist. One can be two things. But you're the embodiment of America, which is, you know, pretty racist, especially back then. I am indeed the embodiment of the good and the bad in America, but like all of America, I keep the bad parts hidden as best I can until it comes out screaming something like, I don't know, Ted Cruz's dad killed JFK. The point is, I and America are trying to do better, albeit slowly, but uh, indeed surely. May I continue? Yes, go on. I will, I will go on. As I was shouting, me and all of my angry drunk friends proceeded to storm all three ships that night. Everyone carried tomahawks because, you know, racist costume and all. Well, I wielded my mighty axe. I think I still have it somewhere. Why are you searching in the studio? I keep all of my things here. Do... do you live here? Conversation for a different time. Ah, here it is. Whoa, cool. Why were y'all carrying axes? To destroy boxes of tea, of course. And I did so with jubilance. Ha-ha! Ha-ha-ha! Ha-ha! Yes, we hacked open every box to ensure that all of the tea would be exposed and soaked when it reached the water. I'd say we ended up throwing over, oh, 340 crates of the stuff into the harbor that night, but only the tea, though. Uh, Nothing else. Specificity was our mission. Nothing else was reported stolen or damaged. The tea was our protest. I heard that a lock was broken on the captain's 
storage chest, though, I think. Damn it! Who told you that? Uh, history podcast, I think? I don't remember. Ah! I specifically told historians not to document that part. Irregardless, I bought the captain a new lock and sent it to him in the mail later on. Why did you break the lock? I was looting his cabin, of course. I was able to get away with 100 gold coins, uh, a new tobacco pipe shaped like a kraken, and a custom dueling pistol that I would later... Well, let's just say I loaned it to my friend Aaron. At any rate, not a bad haul if I do shout so myself. Oh, what? What? Oh, don't give me that look. You just said nothing was stolen. No, I said nothing was reported stolen. Irregardless, they never reported any of the bounty missing, which means the captain probably stole it himself. Double irregardless, these ships were from a British company that traded in slaves, as well as other terrible things like tea. The moral thing to do would be to steal from them. Remember, kids, when in doubt, punch a Nazi and steal from slavers. Also report both to the FBI as soon as possible. Point is, I made out like a literal bandit that night. How do you think I made all of my money if not by stealing some of it? I was a Republican for 200 years. It should have been obvious. I just figured you had your hands in a lot of things. And you would be correct. I am involved in almost every industry in capitalism, but I also stole a lot from the British Empire. Secrets, money, coats, land. Probably why they kicked me out of the military. I still got the wig and the status and the cash, though. There were more than a few of us that led what one could call a shady life. In fact, out of all of us, the only founding fathers that were halfway decent people were John Adams and, to a hornier extent, Ben Franklin. But, alas, not everyone could be a sex-crazed inventor or a family man that disowned his own mentally unstable alcoholic child. Yes, some of us were of less than reputable nature, but everything worked out for the best thanks to the great American dirtbags. Me, Sam Adams, John Hancock, and others were smugglers, bootleggers, and thieves who ended up creating the magnificent country you sit in today. They say rebellions are built on hope, which may be true for most. Ours had plenty of hope, but also required some sugar, tea, guns, and other things to be stolen, smuggled, or in the case of the tea, destroyed. At the end of the day, England heard us loud and clear, and by the end of the day, I mean January 20th, about a month and a half after the tea party took place. From what Ben Franklin told me, upon hearing the tale of our protest, British Solicitor General Alexander Wedderburn tried to bring Ben up on charges of thievery and being without honor. Lack of honor was a huge crime for the Brits back then, probably why they're still all stuffy to this day. Wedderburn was pissy about the Hutchison letters I had mentioned at the beginning of the story, you know, the ones calling for the suppression of our liberties, and berated Ben in front of the Privy Council for hours. However... Like a goddamn boss, Ben didn't respond to a single accusation and just let Wedderburn scream like a fool. After that, they fired him from his position as Postmaster General to goddamn King George, which prompted Ben to come home to the colonies and run his newspaper. Ben would eventually become our nation's first Postmaster General. Did you have any ranking position? Oh yes. I was a colonel in the Royal Marines, uh, served as a strategy advisor to General Washington during the Revolution, and I was the first head of the CIA. Wasn't the CIA founded in 1947? Tim! May I call you Tim? I guess so. Tim, let me ask you something. Have you ever heard the terms misinformation and plausible deniability? Yeah, so you're saying it was a secret up until after World War II? I'm not saying anything. You are. So the CIA, or some form of 
It existed since the beginning of the country, and they kept it quiet for some nefarious reason, and you were its head? Again, your words. See, I am getting better at not spilling secrets. Maybe I can get my job back at the CIA. Meh, I don't want to go back to working for those drug dealers. However, spying was loads of fun, and Uncle Joe does owe me a favor for that whole voting machine rigging thing I did last year for the DNC. Dude, you just... Just what? You just spilled... <sighs> Never mind. So is that the end? It is indeed the end of this story, with many more to come. Not long after our protest, the intolerable acts were passed and more troops were sent to our shores. We even had to house them in our homes. When that happened, I was like, I'd like to throw these soldiers in the harbor. And I was like, I'd like to throw these soldiers in the harbor. No, I get it. But, but you didn't laugh. Uh-huh. Hmm. Anyways, this arrival of British troops prompted a certain ride by a certain patriot to take place. Paul Revere? What? No, me. Paul takes all of the credit, mostly because he claimed that he did a lot of the work. But I was also there, in a carriage with John Hancock. But that is a story for next time. I will be in your ears again in two weeks, America. We'll also be releasing mini-episodes with special content, like readings from documents dating back to the Revolution. That way we keep you, uh, what's the word? Engaged. Engaged, right. Creating and promoting digital media is still strange to me. Back in my day, one book came out every six months. All we had was that book, and half the time the book was only 60 pages long. People these days don't know how good they have it. Anyways, should I keep ranting? I hear Gen Z loves listening to old people rant about the good old days. Nah, we're good. Perfect. I'm starving. I think I'll go have a lobster roll. Thanks for listening, America. Good night and good fight. It's America, the podcast. This has been America, the podcast, hosted by me, Thebidias A. Stard, the embodiment of an only hope for America. Tim is also there. You can catch my very important show every week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Shway Media, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and give my very important show a five-star review on one of those fancy apps while you're at it. I command it. You can also hear the show and access more content such as transcripts and research material at americathepodcast.com. And don't forget to watch Rapid Fire News and other very important segments on TikTok and Instagram at America the Podcast. You can also find my very important show on Facebook and Twitter if you're into that sort of thing. And now to contractually credit the people who help make my very important show possible. America the Podcast is a Shway Media original podcast. Writers for the show include me, Thabadias A. Stars, Tim Philippi, Alana Matos, and Michael Sizemore. Since the space-time continuum doesn't allow for audio recording or something dumb like that, I don't know, the voice of Sam Adams was provided by Brad Philippi. The mid-show commercial was read by Alana Matos. Tim and I speak for ourselves. Executive producers for the show are Alana Matos and Tim Philippi. Sound design is by Tim Philippi, and all dialogue is mixed in Shway Media Studios. All research and fact-checking for the show was performed by Michael Sizemore and Tim Philippi. A full list of research sources for this season of America, the podcast, is linked in the description of each episode. The show's theme song is by Timmy Two-Step, and all other supporting audio heard in the show was procured through audioblocks.com, freesound.org, and ambient-mixer.com. 
That's it. Go on now. You hear? This has been a production of Shui Media, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit shuimedia.com. Thank you.